0: Good morning. Good morning. This is an energetic bunch this morning. I like this. Uh, my name is Jason, and I am the kids pastor here at City Church. And this is my first time preaching a message, which thank you. But I say that not for applause. I'd say that because have mercy on me, please, as as I go through this. So. Let's pray. God, you are amazing. You are the creator of the universe. You love us so much. We do not deserve it because of the things that we do. We tend to hold things against each other in, an a- in acts of unforgiveness when you have forgiven us so much. Help me to connect the dots so that your spirit, your Holy Spirit, can come and move in people's hearts this morning. Christ be magnified in this building and let me be minimized in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start out with a story. This story um, gives me a little insight into how the world treats forgiveness. So there's two shopkeepers, and I used to own a bike shop, so I'm just going to call them bike shop owners, heavily competitive with each other. And uh they really didn't like each other. They had wronged each other. They, they really hated each other. And one night, an angel of the Lord appears to one shopkeeper. And he says, my servant, I will grant you your greatest wish. Wish for anything. Wish for whatever you want. But just know that the guy across the street will get double whatever you wish for. So he thinks about it for a little bit. And he says, I'd like you to strike me blind in one eye. And I think sometimes that's how the world works. If somebody wrongs you, wrong them back twice. Make them pay. Bring the revenge that is due to them. Just like this parable that Jesus is sharing with us it's a debt. Somebody owes you something, they've taken something from you and they owe you, and there needs to be payment i 'm going to do something for the kids this morning because i 'm a kid 's pastor i couldn 't just let the kids sit in their seats during this message so i do, 'm doing something that was very popular in kids' church and it was called snapshot so if you have attended kids church, you know what this is, but essentially what we do as as kids I say as kids because i 'm kind of a kid too, um, we emulate the emotion that we 're feeling so I think this first emotion is anger. Like when when somebody wrongs us, I think we get angry inside at that. And that's very frustrating. Yes, there's a great example of of anger. So I'm gonna do, first service we tried it, it took a while, because we had kids in the balcony and it was like this long to do. So maybe I'll do like a snapshot warning so that kids can start coming down and then I'll keep talking and then we'll. What I do is I have all the kids can come up front here and on the count of three they look really angry and I get a snapshot of them. So it's kind of fun. Okay, this was a big deal in kids church. Trust me. It translates a little differently up here, I see. Uh, So when Pastor Tom asked me to speak on this forgiveness message, I started to really do some reflecting and praying. And I'm like, okay, God, why, why forgiveness? Why this parable? And it's because I've had to deal with it a lot in my life. And I'm pretty sure that you guys probably have too. If, if I'm honest with myself, I've been hurt at work from people that I've worked with. I've had broken friendships, people that I thought were my friends and suddenly they weren't my friends. I've had broken relationships, more intimate relationships that have been broken. It feels like a betrayal. It feels like a debt. I've had abandonment in my life. I don't know if anybody's familiar with the term ghosting, but that's, you know, people do that and it hurts. One time I was at McDonald's and the guy just shoved his food in my car and didn't even say thank you. I'm like, what's up with that? But I think the funny thing is, is a lot of this comes from offense and offense hurts your pride. And I think my pride's been wounded. I think that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. So Jesus is working with his disciples and he's kind of trying to say, you guys are prideful and you need a little humility. So in the beginning of Matthew chapter 18, they're talking about who's the greatest. There's that pride again. These disciples are walking and they're they're kind of having some competition and trying to figure out who's the greatest. And Jesus says in verse 3, he says, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The cool thing about kids is there's not a lot of pride there. They haven't learned to be offended. They haven't learned to be mad about how, how could you not say hi to me? How could you walk right by me and not make eye contact? That pastor didn't even acknowledge me. I mean, this is, kids don't do that normally. They're pretty humble inside. Now, kids can know what they want and really fight for it, but, um, <laughs> but that's another story for another day. That's a different message. One thing that I want to say about kids' ministry, and this is a total sidebar and something I didn't mention for service. My heart for kids is huge and deep. I love the kids that attend kids' church on Sunday mornings. I feel like I was praying and God really downloaded it into me I can't out-entertain the media today. The YouTube, the games, the things that are so quickly... I mean, how many of you know if you, if you download an app and you get bored with it, there's 12 more you can download. And this can be a never-ending cycle, and you can just consume entertainment. I can't out-entertain the world, but I can out-care the world. I can love those kids. I can make those kids come in and feel like they are a part of the body of Christ. So that's just a side. Thank you. So Jesus said, unless you become like little children. So the, the humility factor, it takes humility to repair relationships with each other. Forgiveness is all about repairing something. Something is broken. Somebody's wronged you. Somebody's taken something from you. There's a debt that's outstanding, and what do we see in this parable? We see this huge debt. The, the versions all have a little bit different numbers. You get the Amplified Bible and it starts putting it in an American dollars and that just weirds me out because I feel like the Bible should always use the, anyways, um, so it's, it's a lot of talents and, and like to give you perspective on how much that this master forgave his slave, what I read was King Herod's kingdom made 900 talents in a year. So that was like the whole kingdom back then. And this is like so much more than that, right? So this debt is forgiven to this servant. And the servant immediately turns around. Like it's almost like he just completely forgot that he was forgiven much. And he wants to just strangle this guy and take basically like $100 from him. So he's forgiven millions. Okay, now I'm back to the The U.S. dollar exchange. But you know what I mean. This is It just doesn't make sense. So Jesus is trying to explain it. Earlier on in the chapter, he talks about if somebody offends you, what should you do? What should be your process for reconciling? And he says, if somebody wrongs you, go to them. Go to them and tell them that it hurt. That's hard, isn't it? Sometimes when somebody wrongs us, we just... It's a lot easier to just be like, okay, well, that's one. that person wrongs me again, that's two. And I'm going to start keeping score because that's easier than making it right. Because what's required to make it right? Humility, right? So do you see this, where this is going? Peter, in the beginning of this parable, Peter kind of asks the question that he already feels like he knows the answer to. Do you know anybody like that? Like, they kind of raise their hand, but they, they already know. Peter's, Peter's like, so we've been talking about forgiveness, and it's seven times. So seven times, right, Jesus? Like, he's just kind of like, hey. And I think it's funny that Matthew puts Peter in here. Like, he could have just left that part out. But he wanted to make sure. So this is also Matthew kind of one-upping Peter a little bit here, right? Like, you know, these guys are just, so, so you have a little bit of back and forth. So then Jesus breaks out with his, the kingdom of heaven is like. And in these parables, I love the ones that start with the kingdom of heaven, of heaven is like. Because it gives us a window into what Jesus really wants us to do and wants us to live how we should live. So I wanna talk about an illustration. And this illustration was shared with me by a pastor in Texas. This was when I was going through some really difficult times in my life. And I found it, I've been debating on whether to share the title of the sermon. It's a little controversial, but it it flew in Texas, so it was called The Real F Word. But it was actually about forgiveness. So it was a play on it, and I'm like, this guy seems pretty cool, I'm gonna buy that. And, uh, and so he shared a little bit about this analogy with this park bench. So he was pumping gas at the gas station in his car, and he saw a guy walk up with a big Doberman. Like, this thing is just, you know, massive, and, and it's just this dog, and you know, his dog is pulling him, and he's like, okay, i got to go in the shop. So he takes this dog, and he ties it up to this park bench. And you can kind of picture this dog just sitting there, just this hulking beast of an animal. And as he's pumping gas, he said, all of a sudden something triggered this dog. It just got so angry that it started barking and there was this busy road there. And so it started to try to get across this busy road. Well, it was doing it for the entire time that he was pumping gas. And as he got done pumping gas, the bench came loose from its hinges. And so this dog... And this made the news. I was like, that seems far-fetched. But it actually made the news. It was a real story. So this dog goes running across the street. And this park bench is being dragged behind him. Well, you can imagine this bench is slamming into other cars and causing all this damage. And so all of a sudden, you know, the master caught wind of it. But isn't that how forgiveness is sometimes for us? Sometimes we hold on to these things, and it's like this park bench that is around our neck. And when we go somewhere, this bench is just slamming. If you've been hurt from relationships, you might have a park bench slamming into somebody and you don't even realize it. Somebody hurts you by abandoning you, and all of a sudden you get a whiff of abandonment from somebody, Whew, goes the park bench, and you just can't get out of there fast enough. These things happen and I think it's good for us to be mindful. So I want to ask you a question. Who's sitting on your bench? I want you to think about that this morning. When you think about unforgiveness. This is hard. This is a hard thing to hear. We're going to need the Holy Spirit in this process, right? We can't do this on our own. But the key is to remember how much we've been forgiven. I think about Joseph in the Bible. He was sold into slavery, kicked into a pit by his brothers and brought through a long period of suffering and torture. And then he had to look his brothers in the eye when they were in a destitute position and he was in the right place. Can you imagine just for a minute what that would feel like? I kind of think about more modern examples uh, like Martin Luther King Jr. or Mahatma Gandhi or Nelson Mandela, I don't, anybody has seen Invictus? Nelson Mandela, it's just so awesome because he is in prison for 27 years and he gets out of this prison and he's, he is elected president and he goes in the presidential office and all the people that put him in prison are packing their things because they're like, well, he's gonna fire us and his security force is packing their things because he's gonna fire them. And he looks at all of them and he says, no, no. No, no, you are going to be a part of my security force. You are going to be a part of my office team. 27 years in prison. I don't think we can fully comprehend that, but that is forgiveness. That is forgiveness. That is what we need to model our forgiveness after. Forgiveness is unnatural, and debts come in different sizes. Here's the thing, though. I might think my debt is bigger than your debt. We might both think we owe each other something. Who's the one to make amends? I would like to be the first one to step forward and be like, okay, I'm forgiven a lot. Let's work on this forgiveness process. Some of you have been hurt by much deeper things, and I want to be sensitive to that. You can't really measure how much somebody has lost until you experience it yourself. Here's the key, no matter how much you've lost, it doesn't equal the debt that Jesus paid on the cross for you. And that's the biggest thing. So when you, I'm just going to jump around a little bit, tech team, if you can track with me. I'm going to put the title, if you can put the title up back up there. This is an algebra equation. So forgive, and now in algebra, for any of you math wizards out there, actually, maybe that's not algebra, but the N is a whole number because it's in parentheses. So forgive times N equals salvation. So N is an unlimited amount in this way. And I just think that that's the best way that we can do our math when we're with other people is forgive them. Okay, the next, this is a snapshot alert for heart, hurt heart, because that's what we experience. Jesus, first of all, I just want to say how awesome it must have been to be with Jesus during this. I mean, can you imagine the king of the universe essentially walking in a human form, telling us how to live our lives? How amazing is that? Is it amazing enough for you to go out of here today and do it? We'll talk about that later. All right. Thomas Watson has a great quote, and I think this sums up what is forgiveness the best. It is. When we strive against all thoughts of revenge, when we will not do our enemies mischief but wish them well, grieve at their calamities, pray for them, seek reconciliation with them, And show ourselves ready on all occasions to relieve them. That's a tall, tall order. And it's easy to read that and be like, okay, I'll do that for everybody except the person on my bench, right? Because they've got a special, they've been wearing out that seat and they've been sitting there for a long time. So I want to draw your attention to the Lord's Prayer because Jesus teaches us in this prayer how to pray. And it's he says in this manner. Therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever. Amen. And this part is interesting. It's a nice addition at the end of the Lord's prayer. For if you forgive men their trespasses, Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Who wants to be forgiven of their sins? Yeah, I see some hands going up. I mean, me too. And the key to that forgiveness is releasing other people from their debt to you. If you want to hold on to that, if you want to make everybody know how angry you are, because they wronged you, then you're gonna to have to pay a price for that. You can be angry at the injustice, but it's not your job to make that person pay. You have to release them from the consequences. This is so important because I think people think that it's just forgive and forget. Just let it go. If somebody comes up to you, like if I walk up to somebody and they punch me in the face, I'm just like, ow. Whoa, don't do that on the mic side. Um, I'm just like, ow. And then I come up to them the next day and they punch me again. Well, forgiveness doesn't mean that you're gonna keep putting yourself in a situation where you're gonna get hurt, right? That's not what forgiveness is. But forgiveness means that I am going to release them from the pain and hurt that they've caused me and I'm gonna pray for them and I'm gonna let God do his work. There can be reconciliation at times if the other person recognizes that they're wrong. That's where we talk about this passage where if a brother wrongs you, go to him and tell him. And if he has an unrepentant heart, bring another brother that agrees with you or sister and go talk to them. And if they still have an unrepentant heart, bring the church and talk to them. And if they still have an unrepentant heart, Matthew says they're Gentiles, which we are Gentiles, but Matthew was a Jew, so it's important to know why he is writing that because he's saying that you're not part of, part of the, the faith. Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you and you must be quiet. I love that this is an Old Testament verse because it really, if this is the Father God. Like he is fighting for you. He is working on your behalf which makes it a little easier for us to say, okay, I'm not going to take vengeance. It's written right here. I can let the Lord fight for me. Then we see consequences actually acted out in 2 Samuel 12, 10 through 14. We see that David had committed a heinous wrong and Nathan, the prophet, comes up to David and says, the sword will never leave your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah. There are some people in this world that have wronged you so deeply, but you have to let God be the judge. You have to let God take care of it. The minute that you take that into your own hands, you get on the revenge train. And this bench is just whacking everything in your life and you don't even realize it because you're just barking across the street. Okay, so forgiveness does not mean forgetfulness. However, there is an important part of forgiveness that I think we often misunderstand. So I'm going to explain a story that's happened in my life. So I had a friend who was up in Wausau with me. I used to live up in Wausau, and I was making plans to get married. And this friend was going to be one of my groomsmen. And he got really sick. He was in the hospital, and... um, and I found out about it because we talked almost every day. We were good friends. And so I drove up to Wausau from Madison here and I surprised him. And I said, dude, how are you doing? And we spent the whole afternoon laughing and talking. I prayed for him. I wanted to see him healed. And then all of a sudden, a month before the wedding, nothing. I didn't know this friend. It was like he didn't even exist. I tried reaching out to him over and over again while I was frantically trying to find another groomsman, but it hurt. I didn't understand why, which is really interesting. Side note, you can Google. I, he, I got his permission to share this story. I should make sure I say that. Tom does such a masterful job of doing that, um, Pastor Tom. Uh, but if you Google Brent Brown and, and Barack Obama, he actually was at one of those Democratic conventions talking about universal health care because it saved his life. He didn't have enough money to get well. And so he had to have lunch with Barack Obama. I mean, this was like a big deal. So he was going through all that, but I just felt abandoned. And he knew it. I think he knew it. But four years later, he's going to a Thanksgiving dinner in my old house in Wausau that I used to own. And this was a catalyst for him to message me and be like, did you live on that yellow house on the corner? I'm like, yeah, and why are you texting me after all this time? He wanted to repair the relationship. Forgiveness means that you are ready for that, but that's tough, right? If somebody's really wronged you, you wanna shut that door, and you wanna leave that. But I believe that God wants us to reconcile with each other in some way, shape, or form. It doesn't, you don't have to be best friends with them anymore, but forgiveness is about really releasing them from what they owe you, and that is so important. Romans 12, 18 says, If possible, so far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. However, there are people who are unrepentant in our life. They don't want to make things right, and they wanna do you harm. And the next time they see you, they will still continue to do you harm. Praying for those people and remembering what was sacrificed for you is a big key to keeping your heart in the right place. It can be poison for you if you start to engage in that and you start to fight back. Okay, snapshot warning. I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit. If we are holding on to offenses against our brothers and sisters, we are acting as... <laughs> now we got a better response. We are acting as the master in this parable. We are casting judgment on these people and trying to take the place of him. So, remember, remember how big this debt was? I think... Okay, so this is key. When you are forgiven a huge debt... Can you imagine that the, the party that this guy must have thrown after he found out he was forgiven $10 million? Have you guys ever seen the movie Hitch? It's, I don't know if it's... It's an old movie, but I think of um, when, when he, Will Smith was teaching him how to dance. And, and he was doing like this thing across the floor or whatever. And it was really embarrassing. Yeah, like Max here. But I feel like that party is just going to happen... It happens every time that we receive Christ, actually. It says angels up in heaven are partying. So let's do a a picture. This snapshot will be a picture of worship. The master, when you act upon the master, on the master's behalf and try to judge somebody, you don't know the whole story. The master knows the whole story. The master's the one who can forgive somebody their debt. You are taking action that you shouldn't be taking. But you have to leave the bridge open. You have to allow somebody to walk across that bridge and still be a part of your life if they're willing to reconcile. How many of you know God changes people? God changes hearts? You have to be patient and let the Holy Spirit work on those people. Your prayers will accomplish something. Guarantee you. And your love for God will show in how you deal with them. This is a hard message because everybody has somebody on their bench. Colossians 3.13 <clears throat> says we need to bear with one another, forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance against one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. I think about the, the plank in the eye thing. Sometimes we, we judge each other for something that they didn't even do wrong. We just come to assumptions. And then that turns into a hurt that we carry around with us. And then we act out of that hurt. The blind spot of forgiveness, if we play the role of master, we'll miss an opportunity to repair a relationship through the act of granting forgiveness. Forgiving somebody much, actually, I believe, makes a relationship stronger. How many of you know, like I think of my parents, they've been married for over 45 years. They've been through a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of you that have been through a lot in relationships. They still have ups and downs, but their relationship is stronger because every time you break something and repair it, it gets a little stronger. There's actually a scientific study that bones, when they break, they can actually repair stronger because the new, the new repar- reparation that comes in is a little bit more firm. I kind of think about that in this sense, too. It's good to be repaired. Back to the, back to the parable. Let's talk about the end of the parable. I think it's interesting that the servant that owed a lot said, have patience with me. He really wanted, he tried to plead with that person to not collect the debt. But forgiveness is a choice, right? Somebody messes with you, you can still choose to forgive them or not. It's hard work, it's unnatural. Here's my recommendation is to remember the gospel, remember what Jesus did for you, and when you wake up in the morning, I want you to preach that gospel to yourself every day in the mirror. I want you to look at yourself and be like, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, I have been forgiven much. I think we need to do that more often. I think sometimes we can go throughout our day, somebody will wrong us, we'll start a tally, We'll start a list of all the people that have offended us, and we just need to have that one-on-one time with God. It's a huge, huge, huge debt that we've been forgiven and the cross. Some of you may not know anything about what this sacrifice was. Jesus, the man who was telling this parable, went through a lot so that you and I could be free. Our debt, if you accept Jesus into your heart, our debt has been forgiven. And that is so important. He died on the cross for us. He erased this, Colossians 2.14 says, He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. That's the word of God right there, folks. That's the good news. So there's two types of people that I believe are two ways of, of thinking about forgiveness this morning. Let's go with that. The first one is those of you with somebody on your bench. I can think of a few people on my bench. And you've been dragging them around for a while and they've been smashing into things and you want to be done with it. You're ready to let them off your bench. The other type of people, maybe you've already let them off your bench. Maybe your bench is clear. You don't have anybody that you're upset with. But you know you have an intuition or instinct that maybe you've wronged somebody else. Maybe you've offended somebody else. And you know it's time to make it right. You see, the only way to make it right is to recognize what we've been forgiven. If we see through a lens of what people owe us, we will always be angry. We will always be upset. But if we see through the lens of what we've been forgiven, if we get up in the morning and we remind ourselves every day that we've been forgiven so much, then we will see these people through a completely different lens. And I want that for all of you. I want that for myself. I want to lay everything down that everybody's ever done to me and say, God, will you please take this? I can't handle all this hurt, all this pain, all this revenge, all these things that people have done to me over the years. It's a lot. And the older we get, I feel like our bench is just piled high. So there's a second part to that story. When the master came out of the gas station and he saw his dog was running wild across the street, he ran after it. And he, he caught the dog because it had a bench. It couldn't run very fast. And he came up to the dog and he released the dog from that bench. He undid the leash And he let the dog free. And I believe that's what God wants to do to some of you this morning. If you feel like that's you, if the Holy Spirit is working in you and saying, hey, it's time to let that go. Be released from your bench. Be released from the people that are hurting you. God paid way too much, way too high of a price for you to hold on to that. He died on the cross for you, not so you could hold on to things that people did against you. Easy to say, hard to do, right? So to help us with that, I guess I would just like to ask you to hold out your hands like this. This is a received position. We can't do this on our own. The whole point of the Bible is that we need... Jesus, we need God. We can't do this on our own strength. So God, we're asking you for a new level of forgiveness. A new level of the ability to forgive those that have hurt us, that have wronged us. Those people that have caused so much damage in our lives. How could we possibly forgive them? You make it possible. You make it possible. God, would you fill us with your love? Fill us with so much recognition of your forgiveness for us. Take us to the party. The party, the forgiveness party. We wanna celebrate, we wanna love and dance with you. And help us to live and show that to others that have hurt us. Help us with our unforgiveness. Help us to release people from our bench. In Jesus' name, amen.